This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hani Balkis. Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Wednesday. You're listening to Future Talk right here on Pulse95. This is the one and only place where we give you a quick roundup of everything that is happening in the tech world, in the UAE, and around the world. Lots is happening right here in the UAE today, isn't it, Hani? Yes, indeed. Only 100%. Give them, tell them. Tell them. <laughs> tell them? Tell, I feel like I, no one can execute it better than you. <laughs> well, we have lots going on, especially right here in the Pulse95 studios. But we'll talk, we're going to be talking all about Mars because the Perseverance rover has actually landed on Mars this week. So our very own Hope Probe is not lonely on the red planet anymore. And we're going to be telling you exactly what NASA is planning to do with this rover. Rumor has it they may just be flying a helicopter on Mars for the very first time. Yes, and if your Apple Watch still won't charge after the latest update, Apple will now fix it for free. All you got to do is take your Apple Watch to Apple. Yes, indeed. Lots is happening on the show in terms of artificial intelligence and scheduling because we've constantly talked about the role of AI in healthcare. But did you know that whenever you're making appointments with your health practitioners or even making an appointment with your own trainer at the gym, artificial intelligence is involved in this process. How does AI help us schedule our different appointments and can it actually help us predict certain trends and prevent no-shows or cancellations at hospitals? This is all what we're going to be finding out about with our advanced digital transformation consultant, Melda Akin, who's going to be joining us to tell us all about it. She's also the co-founder of an AI and machine learning organization known as D14AI. Yes, a lot of interesting things to talk about right here on the show. So keep Pulse95 locked because you're going to be right back. Pulse95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. We've been talking about Mars for quite some time now, whether it was the Hope Probe Mars mission that the UAE has launched or talking about the Perseverance rover and how it has now landed on Mars this week. Now, the Mars 2020 mission does include the largest ever vehicle to be, to be dispatched to the red planet. Now, just after a couple of days, that happened. Yes, indeed. Now, let's put things into perspective. We had the Hope Probe arriving into the Martian atmosphere at first, and then it was joined by the Chinese rover. And now NASA's Perseverance rover will be touching down on Mars on Thursday. So one more day to go, and it's definitely going to be a very risky landing. That's all because they're planning to do one of the firsts to have ever happened on the surface of Mars. They do plan on flying a helicopter on the surface of Mars, but we'll talk about this a little bit later. Let's move on to talk about what this rover will be doing on the surface of Mars. Yes, it, well, first of all, it does weigh a ton and has a robotic arm that is 7 feet or 2 meters long and even has a whopping 19 cameras and even two microphones to record the Martian soundscape. Now, when it does arrive, Perseverance will be the only the fifth rover to successfully complete the journey since Pathfinder in 1997. All have been American and the last curiosity <laughs> is still active. Now, what will they be doing on Mars is a question where I believe that I think, first of all, we're going to learn a lot about the Mars mission, yes. uh, about Mars in general, and that's going to give us a lot of uh, insight 
on how we can use this information on our own planet. Now, we by now, I think a lot of people know that Mars and Earth are actually very similar in different ways. And in the past, they were even more similar. So scientists are, interesting, are interested in finding out what happened to change that, what happened for water crystals to disappear from the surface of Mars. But as we've mentioned, Mars is actually known as the only place which conditions actually come outside their planet. And we're going to be talking a little bit about why they're planning to fly a helicopter on Mars for the very first time. So seeing a helicopter hovering over Mars, that's going to be an interesting sight. But this helicopter will be looking a bit closer to what mini drones are like right here on Earth because they have to weigh light because you really can't carry a full helicopter uh, in a rover but they're also gonna have to be driving or flying pretty fast so we're looking at them flying about five times faster per minute than they would right here on the surface of earth yes now it was transported abroad the mars 2020 spacecraft that will arrive at the red planet on thursday and the small ingenuity helicopter will have several challenges to overcome. The biggest being the rare field, the rare flood Martian atmosphere, which is just one percent of the density of Earth. So obviously, there's a lot of things because I do believe that there's no gravity on Mars. Yes, and we're looking at this helicopter having four feet. It has a box-like body and four carbon fiber blades that are actually arranged in two different ways so they're going to be spinning in opposite directions it comes with two cameras computers and navigation sensors but this will all only become a reality once the perseverance rover actually makes it into the martian atmosphere yes now each flight will only last up to a minute and a half compared to the 12 seconds that the Wright brothers did achieve with the first powered controlled flight in Kitty Hawk. So we're just kind of uh, connecting history with each other. Now, Ingenuity will fly at altitudes of 10 to 15 feet or 3 to 5 meters and travel as far as 160 feet from its starting area and back. If you're wondering why do they want to fly a helicopter into the Martian atmosphere, well, this helicopter could potentially help carry different payloads from one site to another. So, for example, if there's any rock or soil samples that they want the Perseverance rover to be able to analyze, this helicopter can help it out by transferring it to it. Let us know your thoughts. We're definitely going to be updating you on how the landing of the Perseverance rover happens on the surface of Mars. And that's planned to take place tomorrow. So keep all 95 locked. We're going to be taking a short break. But once we come back, we're talking all about the Apple Watch. And you may just be looking at getting a free fix if it does not charge after downloading the latest update. You're listening to Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Pulse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Today is an interesting day. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. But every single time the Apple products come out with a new update, it's usually to fix issues that have been taking place on the device, whether it's an iPhone, a MacBook Pro, or even an Apple Watch. Recently, we've seen Apple becoming a bit more generous with their products, but that's only to fix issues that they have seen happening with their own devices. The latest of them all is the Apple Watch because some people are looking to getting it fixed for free if their Apple Watch won't charge mm -hmm. after downloading the latest update. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about the Apple Watch Series 5 or the SE Smart Watches from charging while in the battery saving power reserve mode 
but even the software update might not even fix the issue according to Apple and if it doesn't the company will repair your watch for free. Now they are saying that a very small number of customers with Apple Watch Series 5 or the Apple Watch SE models running iOS Watch 7.2 or 7.3 have experienced an issue with their watch not charging after it does enter the power reserve. Now by the way this does even implement and does kind of come in with your phone so they're saying don't charge your phone on low battery mode it will yes. it will kill your battery i've heard that a lot of times and i've actually disabled the whole option just so that i avoid that issue yeah and actually some guy on youtube he wanted to test it out so he goes to the apple store buy, buys a brand new iphone okay 100 battery hmm. he waited until it came to one percent put it on low battery mar- mode charged it and then it became 99% the battery capacity no way yeah so it does eat up your battery so uh just and and some people are saying you can charge it up to 80% on low battery mode and then should just remove uh disable low battery mode yeah but in general I don't want it. You don't want it at all. In general, because the, the phone becomes slow anyways when it's it on low, low battery mode. It does become slow because basically what happens is the phone is trying to optimize whatever battery is left for the main functions. But with the power reserve mode on your Apple Watch, you're basically looking at the watch becoming just a way of telling time. So yes. it won't really help you count your calories. It won't really help you... Uh, I don't know, check your notifications. It, it, it just basically is used to tell time. And a very small number of customers have actually seen this issue that their Apple Watch won't charge if it enters the power reserve mode. And if you went ahead and downloaded the latest software update and you still can't see your Apple Watch charging after you put it on the charger for at least 30 minutes, then Apple is asking all of its customers to go ahead and set up a free mail-in repair. So the company will actually inspect your watch to find out if it's eligible for that free repair and then you'll get a free Apple fix. Now this does remind me of the iPhone 6 bending. When the iPhone 6 was bending, a lot of people yeah. actually uh, had that problem. And my phone was bent, by the way. My no iPhone way. 6 was bent and I didn't know until I watched that video mm. of them bending iPhone 6s. And uh, so a- Apple, when they make a mistake, they'll they'll pay for it. They'll pay yes. for their mistake and say, hey, okay, give it to us for free. But Apple is smart because a lot of people will start bending their iPhone 6s to Just get brand to get new that. ones, to get brand new ones. So uh, Apple is now smart enough saying that, hey, we're going to look at the durability test, see that if it was uh, just something from the manufacturer or it's something you did, the consumer. But I mean, Apple Watches are very important in our day-to-day life and it's becoming a necessity. Wearables in general are becoming a necessity. So not having that optimal battery life is a problem and I'm glad to see Apple tackling that problem. Let us know your thoughts. Have you been one of those minority that have actually struggled with their Apple Watch not charging after it enters the power reserve mode? Our text lines are open. 4215, do it to Salat or sign into RDMs at Pulse95 Radio. Coming up on the show, we have a very interesting conversation with an advanced digital co- transformation consultant Melda Akin, who is also the co-founder of Dimension 14 AI. She's going to be telling us all about the role of artificial intelligence when it comes to scheduling appointments, whether it was in hospitals, gyms, or even with delivery workers. Keep Pulse 95 locked. We'll be right back. Pulse 95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Saleh and Hany Balkis. Well, whenever we're talking about artificial intelligence, healthcare always becomes a part of the discussion. And we've seen 
AI making big moves when it comes to helping out patients and doctors during the COVID-19 pandemic. But I'm sure many of us did not know that a lot of the appointments that are scheduled with our healthcare practitioners actually come through artificial intelligence. They are the ones facilitating that discussion and that relationship between doctors and patients. Joining us today is an advanced digital transformation consultant, Melda Akin, who is the founder of D14AI. She is definitely going to be giving us a lot of information about the role of AI when it comes to scheduling. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for inviting me again, guys. It's uh, always nice to see you. (laughs) Welcome to the show. It is a pleasure. Now, we do see AI as becoming a key element during the coronavirus pandemic and in general. Now, Going back, we do know that scheduling is laborious and it's often mismatched due to true needs. And sometimes it's even seen as a chore for many care teams. But how can AI help us schedule patients and doctors? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's better to explain with the COVID status. Yes. You know, when COVID showed up and we were wondering what's going to happen and uh, what is the current status. And then now the vaccination and the testing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, once we feel that we have a fever or we are, you know, the, a little bit down and we said, oh, my God, am I COVID positive <laughs> yes. or no? And every after time you cough, you think it's exactly. COVID. And you have to explain why you cough. Is that a, no, no, no. It was something on my throat. Yeah, yeah, before yeah. that, we never explain it. So um, what happened? He said, "Okay, I think I might get COVID. Mm -hmm. So what will be the first one? You're going to ask your friends how I can get tested, where I can get tested. How much is that? How long does it going to take? Do I have to wait for the queue or is it a walkthrough or is a drive through? Mm -hmm. Lots of things. What we did, we opened up the WhatsApp groups. We had a calls. We have a Facebook groups and everything. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, this is the pandemic and this is unexpected, yeah. extraordinary, you mm-hmm. know, the alien statistic <laughs> yeah, in yeah, the, in yeah, the yeah. world. So how AI can help on this? So imagine that mm-hmm. if that system, you know, we feed the system, let's say that 10,000 uh, hospitals mm-hmm. in the region and uh, every hospital, it's the part of the, that platform. And we split the hours like the basic booking system. Mm-hmm. But the issue is how long? it's gonna take yes and how would be the behavior mm. so they we said okay it's a 20 minutes break for the one test but if it's an old person if it's a kid or if it's someone you know the speak another mm. language it will add more time mm. so with the you know the this technology on the scheduling you have a static pattern and you have a you know the kind of defined process and once AI implement this one it can learn Mm-hmm. How would be the journey? And it will give an, you know, the exact spot. Also, imagine that you add it with your calendar. And Ooh. based on your calendar, you will say that, okay, Omnia, you have a booking at the hospital. I'm yeah. just giving the name. I don't know your advertisement rules, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any hospital right here in Sharjah. And then you get actually the, <clears throat> the time that you would get for that specific appointment. Mm. And it would differ if you're an adult or if you're an old person or if you're a child. So person, let's say that, okay, uh, I'm uh, between 25 and 27. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And then I'm English speaker. <laughs> yes. And I don't have any diagnosis before. It's for check and this is my location. This is my budget. And this is the place that I want to go mm. after get tested because I have a meeting at DIFC. Mm. And before that, I was in Dubai Marina. Mm. The system shouldn't give... Uh, appointment for the healthcare city it should be something between because there is also weather and the traffic yes true so it, it will kind of know how how long is your distance and what is more suitable for you absolutely yeah. 
I'm yeah. giving in just one on example yeah. because yeah. The COVID is a hot topic. It's more it is, than it is okay. the, topic. the topic. COVID is the topic. <laughs> yes, indeed. Coming up on the show, we're going to be talking all about the predictive analysis of artificial intelligence and whether or not it can actually predict when patients don't show up to certain <laughs> hospitals and when they cancel. If you have any questions for Melda Akin, make sure you send them in at 4215-DO-IT-THIS-A-LOT or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse95. Pulse95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Amial Saleh and Hany Balkis. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, hospitals have been flooded with patients. Beds were full, spaces at hospitals were definitely compromised, and we had a big rise in AI and virtual doctors helping patients get their needs. Now, you can definitely help patients by increasing the number of healthcare professionals, but it's also important that you make sure that physicians are available at the times that could meet the needs of these patients. Joining us today to talk to us all about the role of AI is an advanced digital transformation consultant, Melda Akin, who is also the founder of D. 14 AI. Thanks a lot for joining us once again. Thank you. Thank it, you again. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Now, going back and talking about AI in the medical sector, in the medical field. Now, in the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of people were a little bit scared. Yeah. Not a little bit. They were Very a lot scared. scared. <laughs> and I was one of them. And just going back to your point, talking about if someone had a cough or something, hey, I got Corona, I got COVID. Now, with AI, there was something coming up called a virtual doctor right here in the UAE. Now, can you go and talk to us about the virtual doctors and implementing AI and even machine learning? Yeah, sure. First, don't worry, you're not alone. We all are scared. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird thing. So, um, let me explain in that way. So, for example, we have a specific symptoms mm-hmm. yeah. like coughing and fever, but there might be a couple of reasons. It might be you know, the allergy, it might be just a basic flu, and it might be unfortunately COVID. Mm-hmm. So, there is a specific places that needs to be followed and checked. Mm-hmm. So uh, once we feel that something wrong, what mm. we want to do, we want to see the doctor. Mm. But these doctors are super, super busy and mm. the hospitals were full. S- full and so crowded. Mm. And every doctor has a specialty, availability, and their own status. And there is also you know, regulations and law, mm-hmm. and labor law. So it needs to be super optimized to be able to maximize the doctors and the nurses hours mm-hmm. to be able to you know the help more serious cases because every cough every fever is may not, not be you know, it's not yeah. covid so uh, what was the idea about the virtual doctors or the chatbot doctors mm. so whoever you talk with the doctor firstly they ask okay do you have fever Let's measure it. <laughs> yeah, uh, are you coughing? Is it dry? Is it dry? Is it heavy? And what's happening? And have you, you know, the face with the, any positive COVID case? Yeah. yeah. So these are the standards. And once there's an AI chatbot or, you know, the virtual assistant, it's very easy mm. and time saving. Because once you know the five or the ten question, if it's no, it's mm. definitely, most probably, as far as I know, I'm not doctor. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a COVID. COVID. Yeah. So that's why it will help reduce the time and uh, give more space to mm. doctors 
So exactly, they helped more serious cases. Absolutely. Mm. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about chatbots because okay. many people actually don't really prefer talking <laughs> to chatbots. Sadly, I'm one of them. But like, let's say you're calling telecommunication regulatory authority, you're calling Itisalad Do, you're immediately put on hold with that AI chatbot that can't stop talking. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about how helpful they can be. So in your opinion, does implementing them in a certain hospital, should people give them more time and trust them a little bit more? Or do they just go and press zero or whatever that number is to talk to a human operator or a human uh, healthcare mm. professional? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think that, you know, uh, the implementation and the service provision is extremely important. Mm. I also don't like, but why we don't like this? Mm. If there is a system mm. that exactly knows the possible answers and the expected questions, that will be easy. You would love it. But if say, okay, the hello, welcome to XYZ, <laughs> uh, for Arabic speaker, press one. Yeah. For English, press two. Yeah. So and it, then it, it comes tells like you the, <laughs> It tells you the history of the hospital before it actually starts and talks about what it is that you need. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And this is a great feedback. I always say but this is the marketing strategy. Sorry, nothing to do uh, for it, that one. So this system should be organized in a way that mm. to be able to reply all the possible questions. Mm -hmm. mm. So if the system is designed in a way that, okay, these are the possible questions that we may get. These are less important, mm. but even the not important one, that should be on the system. Mm. True. Since we can't find a reply and we, sorry, we got stressed, we pissed off and yeah. we said that what kind of service you guys are providing, <laughs> yeah. I want a human. Yeah. Yeah. Operator. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I believe in some situations having a chatbot or AI would be very good. For example, talking about, again, the medical field and the medical industry. For someone who has a mental illness, for example, and they don't feel comfortable opening up to a person, mm. maybe an AI or chatbot could kind of give them kind of a sense of relief because sometimes people just want to vent, talk and vent and, and yeah. say what, what's bothering them. And sometimes they, they have a fear of judgment. They don't want someone judging them, even though a medical professional is not supposed to judge you and they don't judge you. Uh, some people do have that fear. So I do believe that having chatbots and AI could actually benefit a lot of those people who do suffer, suffer from mental problems. Um, actually, you know, uh, the psychology and the emotions is, uh, is a little bit different topic. Yeah. yeah. So what I believe is it can help, mm. it can reduce, but I do think that this is a subject that also needs a human touch. Yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, for example, people are get we get depressed. And mm. why we get depressed? Because we we feel this lack of something. Yes. True. So a couple of the chatbots, I really like them. And also, you know, the checking what's going on, how it works. The frequency of the reply, it needs to be improved. But for the basic things, you know, not the heavy cases, the yeah. normal cases, I think uh, they do help. It's a great yeah. point that you bring up because during the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of many AI and robots were actually used to keep COVID-19 patients company. They suffered from loneliness, especially at the beginning of the pandemic when it was not just being isolated, but it was also the fear of the unknown, <laughs> not knowing what's going to be happening to them. Yeah. I think they really played a big role in helping keeping them company, but also lessening that fear. And that brings me to another question that has to do a lot with the patients, because we do know that a lot of patients tend to book appointments, but not really show up or they end up canceling or not even canceling last minute. They just don't show up. So yeah. in your opinion, how can artificial intelligence help 
prevent such situations from happening in a hospital and wasting the time of the doctor that on an appointment that was possibly going to be booked for another patient? Mm -hmm. I think there are two main pillars, mm. one from the patient side, one from the clinic hospital side. Mm. For the patient side, we are here now mm. and uh, we do all have agenda. So we might not have as well. So as I said, you know, the first example, um, when I, uh, you know, the call, you know, I wait on the line mm. and sometimes the app doesn't work and it's not a good match for me. Mm. Then I said, okay, the 1 p.m. is okay. And I said, oh my God, I have a meeting. I cannot make this one. Let me reschedule it. But my mind is so busy that I cannot turn. Yeah. But if there's a system that knows me mm. as a patient, Melda, mm. and what I want to do, where I want to go, and based on the, my own agenda, my own availability, instead of keep checking and the talking, that will be a great asset mm. for that side. For the clinic side, at the end of the day, there is a time slot and yeah. the business is selling these time slots. Mm -hmm. So one patient calls the reception and they say, okay, I want 10.30. And the calendar, it seems it's empty. Yeah. And they give that appointment to that patient. However, if there is a system that can optimize the calendar, mm. instead of giving 10.30, if they give 9.45 mm. or maybe 10, mm. they can help two patients instead of At one. At the same time. Exactly. Mm, instead like of that. one, because there will be the dead hours break. Mm. So this is one part of the optimization. Mm. And the no-shows, this is a, you know, the, it's a very important point. And because it's also a little bit linked with the culture. Yes. yes. Um, for example, that was the funny story. You know, when I work, uh, you know, when I meet with my German friends or the Dutch friends, They're I have so to be on, on time. And especially I have to be there before 15 minutes. Yes. Because <laughs> this is a critical life and death. Yes, yes. yes. You have to be there. And for, for example, if you say 10 a.m., if you become 10, Oh, zero one. ones, where are you? Is it the yes. one minute? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. it's funny because many German brands, you know, when they make a promise to a customer, let's say we'll service your car in 90 minutes, 90 minutes the car will be serviced. They're very on time. But then you have other cultures notoriously known. A yes. lot of Arabs can be very late, you know, but also other cultures can either be on time a bit later, a bit earlier. So the culture definitely plays a big role in that. Exactly. And you know, the, I think Arab and uh, Brazil, it's uh, super, super similar. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and also, you know, what I learned this is this pillar and uh, this traffic or the my personal previous experience. Mm. Has a time for it. Mm. Mm. It's even you know the normal life. If I you know the become five or ten minutes late, I know that uh, my friends are here. They're not gonna make a big, big problem. Deal. Yeah. But if it's you know to someone else, I know that I'm in a trouble. <laughs> so they may kill me as well. Yeah, yeah. So if the system, let's say, okay, I'm Omnia. I live in Sharjah. These are the things. These are the places that I live in. And if it's the second or the third or yeah. the new appointments you do, mm. the system can understand your exactly. possible behavior by learning from your history. Fantastic. And the system may say that, okay, Omnia, your appointment is 9.30, but actually it's 9.40, and mm. the AI knows because it knows that you might be a little bit late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it'll play, play tricks, tricks on, on you, you. <laughs> just so you can get on time. That's a very interesting topic, and that will bring us to the next question, privacy. But we're going to be taking a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be asking you all about patients' privacy. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse95. Pulse95.
95.5. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Amiel Saleh and Hany Balkis. AI, OAI, we are always scared of it taking over our jobs, but during the COVID-19 pandemic, we've also seen it save many lives, whether it was in optimizing the time of healthcare professionals, treating patients, or even in dealing with patients themselves, helping them stay company during their isolation. But how can artificial intelligence help optimize the way appointments are scheduled and can they maintain our privacy? Joining us today is Milza Akin, who is a digital trans transformation consultant and the founder of D14 AI. It's been such a great conversation with you today, Melda. Yes, we're having so much fun. But again, a topic always does come to mind. We're talking about technology, future AI, privacy. A lot of people want their information to be private. But how is the patient's privacy maintained on this type of system? Uh, There are actually the business side Mm. and the law side, sorry. Mm. and then the software side Mm. so the one is as we all know gdpr and everything should be super private and it should be located there are some rules and some procedure Mm. that has to be followed other than that's crazy fines yeah and the second one is the country regulations Mm. yes for example in the uae all the healthcare data should be located in the uae Mm. even if you want to use the cloud systems these physical servers also should be in the UAE. Mm. Okay. So that is the, you know, the country rules and the GDPR rules. For the software side, um, you know, we depend on the client mostly. Mm. But also, you know, they have to follow the GDPR and also the other regulations. Yeah. That's why, for example, just a basic example, let's say that you are a doctor, you're in the clinic, you can open it up and you can look at the details of your patient. But if you are in the restaurant, and you said, okay, what happened to this that patient? patient? Let me check. The system is not allow you to see. Okay, mm. so privacy is very much only contained within the hospital. Yeah. You can't access data outside. Exactly. And I feel like that's very important, again, because, yes, we're looking at, in general, in general, a lot of advancements in technology, but unfortunately, some companies are taking advantage of that. And our number yeah. one friend is Facebook. So <laughs> privacy is a concern when it does come uh, to just sharing our data. Mm-hmm. Now, theoretically speaking, I'm sure a lot of people tuning in might be thinking, you know, a very talented human could also do the work of scheduling. They could collect the data, they could analyze it and set, you know, every patient to meet with a certain doctor. But I'm sure when it comes to discussing it with an AI professional and someone who's been dealing with AI on a daily day-to-day basis, you may have different thoughts about the benefits of AI over humans. Can you tell us more about that? Actually, uh, you know, the our focus is not, you know, the taking the role of the human. Yes. So it's how we can support human. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we may get tired physically, we may get tired mentally. And this is actually the more dangerous than the others. So how AI can help, you know, the like the example that I gave, if a patient calls them, let's say that you're a receptionist and it says, OK, I want a 1030, I want a 1030, but actually the patient may be flexible and you might be so busy and so tired and it might be difficult to... For the idea to click in your mind to schedule other time. Exactly, schedule other time or where you need to schedule and how you're gonna do it. What will be the history of that patient? Because we also have not only the healthcare history, we also have an appointment behavior history as well. Mm. If the system shows 
okay, this patient is, uh, for example, um, only prefer the English language, mm. or this patient may be rude, and mm. one of the doctor maybe complain about that one, mm. and he said, okay, I don't want to see that patient, and the system instead of saying that, oh my God, it's busy, saying that the system shows. Doctor A, B, C, which one you want to see? Mm. Instead okay. of getting on the that conversation. So, you know, the cutting the frustration, cutting on the decision making and, and the back time. and forth uh, communication. Yeah. Amazing. Now, just to end this off, last question. What is the future of AI? I mean, we see AI do a lot of big things and obviously this isn't the end. Where do you see AI going in the future? Well, you know, the spectrum is huge. So once we say AI, There is an image processing, mm. natural language processing, automations, robotics, export system and optimization. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the researchers, you know, they work like crazy and every day we learn something. So just look at the 10 years ago, 10 years back. Yeah. What was there and now it grows exponentially. Mm. So I'm sure we will be saving more lives. Mm. I'm sure we will be helping more people mm-hmm. and I'm sure we will I think, I believe, we will have a better uh, world to live in. There you have it, folks. A future that I'm very excited to see coming to life soon. Melda Akin, founder of D14AI, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And to everyone else tuning in, thank you so much for lending us your ears. Future Talk is coming to an end, but we're going to be opening the airwaves for the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show with Ahmed Adouri. He's going to be giving you all that you need to know about emotional fitness, mental health, as well as what is going on in the world of sports. Yes, very interesting topics to talk about when it does come with Ahmed Adouri. So keep Pulse95 locked because we'll be right back. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.